Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Everybody get in the chat here. I see there's a lot of you waiting. Tonight is going to be an amazing night. As you guys see, I have my good friend on screen, Bill Wees. What a testimony. Bill, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be with you, and thank you. I'm very honored. Awesome. It's going to be a great night, guys. If you haven't heard a story or if you have heard a story, one thing I was telling Bill earlier in the room, in the chat room was, man, every time I hear this story, I want to draw closer to Jesus. And not only that, Bill, it gives me a gratitude for what Jesus did on the cross. And so tonight, some of you might say, oh, you guys are talking about hell. Oh, that brings glory to the devil. It's actually the opposite. When we talk about the dangers of hell, it brings glory to what Jesus did on the cross and what he rescued us from. Like what a beautiful thing that Christ has rescued us from the place we're gonna talk about tonight. So everybody get in the chat. I wanna make sure that you guys get your friends and family. If you have unsafe friends and family, right now would be the time to send them this link. Tell them, look, this is not gonna be some religious thing. This is not gonna be some boring talk. This is gonna be riveting. They're gonna be on the edge of their seat as they hear us talk, as they hear the story. And likely, this will be the first time they've ever heard about hell in this great detail. We know Jesus warned over and over about hell, and you need to send this to your friends and family. I can't stress this enough. If you're on the replay, if you're on the live tonight, please send this to someone make sure you like the broadcast and guys we're also at 799,000 subscribers so we're right about to hit 800,000 let's try to hit it tonight make sure you guys subscribe we're on episode 152 of the revival lifestyle podcast i'll go over all the announcements later i won't bore you guys let's get into the intro so i heard bill 13 years ago is the first time i heard you bill I was just saved. You were speaking in Modesto, California, and a friend of mine said, hey, there's this guy speaking. You guys need to hear him. Invite all your unsafe friends and family. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to get all my friends and family, the worst ones possible. I'm going to let them bring them here. I'll, I'll convince them. I'll buy them dinner. I'll buy them a Jamba Juice. I'm going to get them to the service. They, they got to hear this story, right? And it was my first time hearing you. And I'm, I kid you not, probably 20 minutes into you sharing, the friends and family I brought that were not saved were so ready to go to the altar, were so ready to call upon God. They ended up that night all coming to the altar. Many of my friends got saved in that service. And I want to tell you guys, 13 years later, many of my friends and family that got saved the night you spoke, Bill, are still serving God to this day. So there is lasting fruit in this message, in this ministry. And I fell in love with your story. I read your book over and over again. I sent your book on Amazon, which by the way, guys, his Amazon links down below. I highly recommend you sending this book to friends and family via Amazon. It's very easy to type in their address, send them this book. I read your book in one sitting. I was glued to it. I started sharing with all my friends and family and thank the Lord. 12 years later, we were able to connect. I was able to have you on my show. And those videos of you being on my show are some of the top viewed videos on my channel. And, and more than views, it doesn't matter about the views. What matters is Millions of people literally have been impacted by the story that you're going to share tonight. So I know there's a lot of new people. I honor you, Bill. I love and appreciate you and your wife. I've spent time with you. You're one of the most humble, honest, caring, Bible knowledge guys I've ever met. And man, I just honor you so much. And so thank you so much for being on the show tonight. 
Hey, I've, I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you so much, Isaiah. We love your teaching. And, uh, and again, we really appreciate you having me on. It's going to be awesome. So I'd love for you tonight. I know we kind of have a list of things we want to talk about, guys. Yeah. There's some questions I'm going to ask him that are hard-hitting questions. They're very important. One of them we'll talk about later is, are there in people hell, in hell right now? There's a popular false teaching going around saying everybody's soul sleeping until the final judgment, then people go to hell. But they're, they're saying no one's in hell now, which we don't go to, we're, gonna, we're not going to go into that yet, but we're going to talk about questions like that later. I want to start with Bill. Take your time. I want to hear your story of how you went to hell for 23 minutes. So just feel free to share. We're going to go into your story and then maybe I'll stop you as you go and ask questions, but feel free to go and then I'll, we'll go through the questions after that. Okay. Well, just a one minute background real quickly. Uh, I've been a Christian for 53 years. I've been a real estate broker with my own company for 51 years. I've been ma married for 27 years. And now I've been in the ministry for uh, 26 of these years, wow. uh, 17 years full time traveling, my wife and I. So that's my background. I'm a conservative person by nature. Uh, I've never gone to dark movies. I've never taken drugs. I've never drank. And I never had a vision before. So um this was not a near-death experience. This was an out-of-body experience that's classified mm. as a vision in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul, when he was caught up into heaven in a vision, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. And my wife and I went to a prayer meeting. We attended every Sunday night, nothing unusual about the night. I had never studied the topic of hell at that point. I was a Christian for 28 years at that point. Came home like any other normal night, went to bed. I got up at three o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water. And suddenly I was pulled out of my body, like being drawn out of your body. I saw my body fall to the floor and I started tumbling down this long tunnel and it was getting hotter and hotter. And I passed through this open cavern like area. And then I landed on a stone floor in a prison cell in hell, rough hewn stone walls, bars, filthy, stinking, dirty prison, but like a dungeon. But Isaiah 24, 22 says, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. Proverbs wow. 7, 27 mentions going down to hell to the chambers of death. And the word chambers means inner rooms. Job 17, 16, they shall go down to the bars of the pit. Jonah 2, 6, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Well, this was where I first found myself. It was literal bars and gates in this stone on the stone floor in, in hell. I wondered, how did I get here? Why am I here? I was fully awake and cognizant, just like I am now. And the first thing I noticed was the intense heat. It was like a blast furnace. And I wondered, how could I be alive in this horrible? Oh. It was unbearable. And so my reaction was I wanted to get up and run out of this prison cell. But I noticed I had no physical strength in my body. But Isaiah 14, 9 and 10 says, hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, art thou become weak as we? And Psalms 88, 4 says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I'm as a man that has no strength. Now, if you ever had the flu and you felt weak, it's a thousand times worse than that. Any movement takes tremendous effort. But see, Acts 17, 28 says, in him, we live and move and have our being. So even movement comes from God. It's not automatic. Wow. I looked up and I saw these two reptilish beings, demons that were pacing in the cell. They were about 12 or 13 feet tall. There's scripture for that, but I'll keep moving. And they were blaspheming and cursing God. They had an extreme hatred for God. Uh, like I said, they were reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all over the one's body, uh, huge jaw, sucking in eyes, claws about a foot long. 
And uh, but you know, blasphemy comes from the demonic realm. Mm. Revelation, Revelation 13, 6, James 2, 7, and some others. Then they directed this hatred they had for God, they directed it towards me. I wonder why. What have I done to them? But the one demon picked me up and threw me into the wall of this prison cell. Uh, like I weighed the weight of a water glass. Demons have great strength, you have none. I hit the wall. I felt as if every bone in my body had been broken. Now, maybe a spirit doesn't have bones, but it sure felt that way. I collapsed on the floor wondering how could it be alive through this? But I have to explain one thing, Isaiah. I understood most of the pain that I normally would have felt was being blocked. Mm. But on the fact, the Lord explained to me, he blocked most of it, but he did allow me to feel a small amount of the pain so I could relate to people. It's not metaphorical. It's not a state of the mind. It's real pain you're going to feel in hell. Then this other demon that was in the cell picked me up from behind and dug its claws into my chest and just tore the flesh open. I couldn't believe again, how could it be alive through this? I noticed I had a body. Matthew 10, 28 says, fear him who was able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And remember Luke 16, the rich man, he wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He had a mouth to speak. He had eyes to lift. He had tongue. You have a body in hell, but it withstands these torments. But something else I noticed, there was no blood or water coming from the wounds. Mm. But Leviticus 17, 11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And Zechariah 9, 11 says thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. There's not one drop of water in hell. And these demons have no mercy over you whatsoever. They have an extreme hatred for mankind. But Psalms 103.17 says the mercy of the Lord is upon those that fear him. Well, they don't fear him in hell, so you don't derive the benefit of mercy. Now, Isaiah, about this time, it went dark. Now, I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it, but he withdrew his light. Mm. And it removed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. But Lamentations 3.6 says, He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Jude 13 mentions blackness of darkness forever. But it wasn't just dark. You could actually feel the darkness. And that's not an exaggeration. Exodus 10.21 mentions a darkness that may be felt. Because it just seems to penetrate through every cell in your body. It is so dark you cannot see the hand in front of your face. Now, I was taken out of this prison cell by God, but I didn't know it was God. And he placed me over next to this large raging pit of fire. This pit was about a mile across in diameter. I just understood that. A huge hole in the ground with uh, filled with fire and flames raging high up into this open cavern. And uh, it was not metaphorical or allegorical fire. It was real, literal fire. I felt mm. the heat and saw the flames. But more importantly, it's what the scripture says. Psalms 11.6 says, upon the wicked, he will rain fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest. Psalms 140 verse 10, let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire in the deep pits. Matthew 13.49, the angels shall sever the wicked from the just and cast the wicked into a furnace of fire. But this is where I could first see people. I could see through the flames. The light did not travel, but I could see through the flames in this pit. And there were literally thousands of people burning in this pit and they just look like skeletons you cannot distinguish a man from a woman and the screams are deafening it is so loud with all these people screaming you want to escape that but you can't you have to endure that for all eternity but isaiah 57 21 says there is no peace saith my god to the wicked there's no peace of mind no peace of any kind but isaiah 32 18 says my people dwell in a quiet resting place so you don't drive the benefit of quiet 
Now, I understood I was down deep in the earth. I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. But more importantly, there's 49 scriptures that point out where the current hell is. I'll just give you two. Ezekiel 26, 20, Numbers 16, 32, and 33. Very clear it's down deep in the earth. Uh, but I understood that. And I also understood there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 14, you shall receive the greater damnation. Well, that infers a lesser damnation. Or Matthew 10, 15, he said, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That infers a less tolerable. Or Hebrews 10, 28 says, of how much worse of a punishment, suppose it shall be for you, you who have trodden underfoot the Son of God. But my point is, there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Any level is far worse than your mind can even conceive. Now, I wanted to talk to my wife. I just wanted to let her know where I was at or say goodbye. Oh. But I understood, Isaiah, that I'll never oh, have an opportunity. You know, Job 7, 9 says, He that goes down to Sheol shall come up no more. The word Sheol is the Hebrew word for the current hell. Uh, Hades is the Greek word. But I understood I'll never get to her. And you don't realize what a tormenting thought that is to have no finality with your family. You never get to say goodbye. I never could tell her I love her. I miss her. I could never hold her again. I understood all that. And she, you know, death does not mean cease to exist. Death, mean, death means separation from God. Wow. You still exist. You're just down deep in the earth. And to live with that for all eternity that I could never say goodbye. And she doesn't know that I still exist. You're forgotten in hell, Psalms 88, 12, Isaiah 26, 14, Deuteronomy 32, 26, Psalms 109, 15, all explain that you're forgotten. That's an awful thing. Uh, you have no purpose, no destiny. Wow. It's just a complete useless wasting away. But Ecclesiastes 9, 10 says, there is no work, no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in Sheol. And it doesn't matter if you're somebody famous here. No one would know who you mm. are. Ecclesiastes 6, 4 says your name is covered in darkness. The stench in hell is the most foul, putrid, disgusting odors. Remember, Jesus rebuked the foul spirits, Mark 9, 25. Demons have a disgusting, foul, decaying mm. odor to them, but also the smell of burning flesh, uh, which is horrible to breathe, and then also the smell of burning sulfur. And if you know, if you go to Hawaii to the volcano, they have signs posted where you cannot go past a certain point because the toxicity coming up from the volcano, it's called sulfur dioxide. It's toxic. If you breathe it, it will kill you. Well, sulfur is just another word for brimstone. And the word brimstone is mentioned 14 times in the Bible. So you're breathing in this foul, putrid, wow. disgusting air that you don't want to breathe. But it's, it's even worse than that because there's not enough air to breathe in hell. You have to fight for even the tiniest bit of oxygen. And I'll demonstrate, this is how you breathe in hell. It was like... <clears throat> Well, that, is, that was as much air as you could get. Well, that's not enough. Any moment you feel like you're going to suffocate. But Isaiah 42, 5 says, the Lord gives breath to the people upon the earth. You're not upon the earth. You're down deep beneath. Mm. God is very specific with his words. And you know, you need to sleep in hell. Now, I was only there 23 minutes, but I felt like I was there 23 weeks without going to sleep. And if you ever stay up for maybe two nights, try staying up for two nights without going to bed at all. You cannot function after two days. You're pretty much a wreck. Well, in hell, you need to sleep also, but you never get to go to sleep, so it gets progressively worse. But see, Revelation 14, 10, and 11 says, and they shall be tormented with fire and brimstone 
in the presence of the Lamb and in the presence of the holy angels, and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. Now, that primarily means no rest from the torment, but no rest of any kind, because Isaiah 57, 20 said, the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. You know, the sea is always moving, can't rest. But rest is a blessing from God. Psalms 127.2 said, the Lord gives his beloved sleep. Well, you're not his beloved, so you don't derive the benefit of sleep. Now, I was standing next to this big pit, and along this big pit were individual pits. Some people were in an individual pit of fire. Others were in this big pit. Others were in a prison cell. And uh, I noticed I was standing on a bed of maggots. Oh, no, I think we lost you, Bill. Are you there? Oh, no, we lost him. All right, we're going to try to get him back on here. Let me turn on my other camera. Let me text him and see if he can jump back in. Hold on, guys. Stay with me. The devil is a liar. Oh, did I lose connection? No. I think... Uh, so Bill, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, we lost you. Okay, I think my inner, my Zoom cut out. All right, so the spot we lost you on was you said you were standing on a bed of maggots. That's okay. where we lost you. Okay. Um, and, you know, Isaiah 14, 11 says, where the maggot is spread under thee and the worm will cover thee. It's the word maggot. Mm. And, you know, I never knew this, but when a dead animal is being eaten by maggots, when they consume the flesh, maggots die. I never realized that. But that's why Jesus said, where their worm dies not, because the flesh is never fully consumed in hell. So as Job 24, 20 says, the maggot will feed sweetly on thee. Oh. I mean, is that disgusting enough? Now, I was standing beneath this tunnel, these cavern walls that were ascending upward, and all along the cavern were, walls were demons of all different sizes and shapes, twisted, deformed. Some were two and three feet tall. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall. And uh, they all had an extreme hatred for man. And the, the fear that I felt, Isaiah, was so far beyond anything I can describe. And I just want to share with you an experience I had so people can understand the fear yeah. level that you're going to experience in hell. I used to surf a lot when I was a teenager. I was 17 years old. We were surfing off Cocoa Beach, Florida, actually Satellite Beach, Florida. And uh, we were about 100 guys out that day having a great time. It breaks out about a quarter mile when it's big there. And suddenly the guy next to me got his leg torn off, blood all over the water. Sharks came around. There must have been 20 sharks. I got up on my knees to get my legs out of the water and a shark passed by my nine foot board. He was longer than my board, came back and it bit my board in half. Now swimming in the water, my friend was knocked off his board. We're a quarter mile out and we thought, you know, I guess we're dead. And then this tiger shark, I saw the stripes on it. This tiger shark came and grabbed my leg and pulled me down under the water. Now, maybe you haven't gone through that, but you can at least imagine what that's like to be attacked by a shark. There's not much more fearful than that. Those things are so powerful, you are so helpless. Well, that fear that I felt at that moment paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. But see, Psalm 73, 18 and 19 says, you cast them down into destruction where they are utterly consumed with terror. So you're consumed with this terror at that level of fear for all eternity. That's what you're experiencing in hell. And you never get to be with people. Like I said, you're being tormented by demons. You're enduring this smoke-filled air and not enough air to breathe. And uh, you're terrified at every moment. This is what people are going through in hell. And this lasts forever. I mean, you never get out of this place. 
You know, there's a reason why hell's so horrible, and it's because God has removed his attributes from this place. People say, wow. why would God make why would he make such a horrible place? Well, Jesus said why in Matthew 25, 41. He said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He never intended for man to go there, but he used the word prepared. That's the same word he used in John 14, 2, where he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven or make ready. So he's preparing heaven for us, hell for the devil. But what he did in the preparation was, see, James 1, 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light. So all the good we enjoy in life, uh, the fresh air, sunshine, fellowship, drinking, eating, sleeping, all the good comes from God. It's mm. not automatic. So what he did was he simply withdrew his attributes. See, hell is dark because 1 John 1, 5 said God is light. There's only death in hell because John 1, 4 said God is life. There's only hatred in hell because 1 John 4, 16 said God is love. There's no mercy in hell because Psalms 36, 5 says the mercy of the Lord's in the heavens. There's no strength in hell because Psalms 18, 32 said it's the Lord that gives us strength. There's no water in hell because Deuteronomy 11, 11 says water is the rain of heaven. And there's no peace in hell because Isaiah 9, 6 says he is the prince of peace. So you see, if God removes himself from the situation, all the good goes with him. You can't have the good without God. You can't separate the two. So if a person in life says, you know what? I don't want anything to do with God. Well, fine. There's a place prepared. There's nothing to do wow. with it. Wow. Now, other, other than one thing, the fire in hell does represent God's wrath. All through the scripture, it says he will pour out his wrath on sin in the form of fire. But God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross so we wouldn't have to take that wrath. Mm. So you can either let Jesus take it or you can take it. It's a person's choice. You know, Isaiah, as I was looking at all this horror and people being shoved back in this fire and demons of all different sizes and shapes, uh, I began being raised up this tunnel. Something began lifting me up this tunnel. It was God, but again, I didn't realize that then. And in this pitch black darkness, suddenly this bright light appeared. Now, when Jesus shows up, there's no question about who it is. Mm. I didn't see his face. I just saw the outline of a man standing in a bright, pure, holy light. And I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. And he said two words. He said, I am. When he said that, I went out. I don't know if I died or passed out. I can only explain it through Revelation 1.16. When John saw him, he said his countenance was bright as the sun, and I fell at his feet as one dead. Well, after a time, he touched me. When I came to, it hit me so strong that if he wouldn't have gone to the cross, mm. I would be in that place for all eternity. Man, I was so grateful for the cross, for what Jesus did. The king of the universe came and died for me so I wouldn't have to go to hell. I was so thankful. I didn't want to ask him a question. I just wanted to thank him. I kept praising him and thanking him. But, you know, after a time, thoughts started coming to my mind and he, he would answer my thoughts. Psalms 139.2 says he answers our thoughts afar off. And I had eight different thoughts. I'm just going to share a couple of them for time's sake. So good. But I thought, I thought Lord, uh, I don't want to tell anybody about this experience. They're going to think I'm crazy or had a bad dream. He said, it's not your job to convict their hearts. It's the Holy Spirit's. Wow. You just go and tell them. I said, yes, sir, I'll go. Now, I admit, when I came back from the experience, I wanted to witness to everybody, but I did not want to share this experience. Mm. You know, like I said, I'm a conservative person. I didn't want to let people, I had a real estate company. I'm making a lot of money. What do I need this for to be ridiculed and say I've been to hell? And uh, I complained. Now I told my best friend and he said, Bill, would you come to my Bible study and share it? And I said, no way. Well, he convinced me to come three months later. I went reluctantly and shared it. 
And well, it spread from there. And we began getting invited all over the country. So for the next seven years, my wife and I traveled. We paid our own way. We never took one wow. penny from anybody. And uh, this was no book then. There was no book. And I complained, though. And I said, Lord, I feel uncomfortable sharing this. And, and he said to me one day, Bill, it's not about you being comfortable. It's about you being obedient. Man, that wow. convicted me. I, I'm, I, apologize. I said, Lord, I repent. I am so sorry for complaining. You know, if one person can come to the light of the scripture, yes. avoid this place, then it and it's worth any uncomfortableness I would ever feel. But you know, God's given us all something to do. So I just want to encourage everybody out there that's a Christian, do whatever God's called you to do. There's no big shots with God. We all have something we can do. We all are gifted and have an ability and you can reach somebody that I can't. Mm. And that's so important for us to know that. So good. I want to share, I want to share this too. You know, I thought, Lord, why do those demons hate me so much? He said, because you're made in my image and they hate me. See, John 15, 18, Jesus said they hated me before they hated you. See, demons hate God, but they can't hurt him, but they can hurt his creation. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So all the destruction, the evil, the wickedness that we see in this world today is all from the demonic realm. And people are harassed by demons every day. and But Jesus came to give us life more abundantly. So we serve a good and loving God. And one last thing I want to share, I thought, Lord, why didn't I know you? I didn't share with you that God had blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. Wow. You say, Bill, where's that in the Bible, Bill? Luke 24, 16, when Jesus appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says their eyes were holden that they should not know him. John MacArthur's commentary and Matthew Henry's commentary say they were kept by God from recognizing him. So God hid it from their minds and he hid it from my mind for this reason. You see, if I was there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't know, I would have known, praise God, he's getting me out of here. Wow. I would have known that because Christians, we know our destiny is heaven, but he wanted me to experience what they feel, hopelessness. See, Isaiah 38, 18 says, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. Mm. And we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They have no hope for him because it's too late. Wow. And that is the worst part of hell. Understanding, you'll never get out. You'll never escape. A hundred million years will go by. It's still day one. Wow. I want that to sink in the people. They have to understand this place is eternal. You'll never escape it. That's why this decision is so important for people to make. You know, they slough it off, they laugh about it, and they don't know that they could die tomorrow. Wow. You know, and, and one second after you die, it's too late. And we're going to talk not... about that tonight, how to make sure you never go to this place. I want to ask you this question, Bill. I have a couple questions from your testimony I want to ask you, and then we'll go into the questions that we had yeah. prepared. The first one is, how did you know that you were in hell for 23 minutes? Well, when I got up to get the glass of water, uh, I looked at our digital clock and it said three o'clock in the morning. Mm. I came back to my body. I came back to our home, traveling back with the Lord. Then he left and I entered back in my body. When I came back in my body, I started screaming and I went into a traumatized state because uh, the memories of hell flooded back into my mind. Well, when I started screaming, it woke up my wife. And the first thing she did is look at our digital clock and it read 323. Wow. So that's where the 23 comes from. Okay, so you and came back to your body. You were terrified. There's some people that are going to say, you know, there's 3,500 people watching. Some will say, 
you can't go to hell and come back in in the Bible. God will never show someone hell. Can you explain to us? You didn't die. This was actually a right. out of body experience, a vision. Can you just uh, um, just elaborate a little right. bit on that, and then maybe reiterate for the new people that just jumped in? You don't. You're not going and watching horror movies. You're not going and taking illicit drugs. You're not taking shrooms. You're not taking LSD. You are very living a very clean life, not watching horror movies. Some might say, well, maybe it was just your imagination. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about that? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, this was a vision. I didn't die. So it doesn't. it's not like Luke 16, where he said, even one came back from the dead, they would not be persuaded. Mm. I'm not coming back from the dead. Uh, this was just a vision. And number two, I'm not telling anyone to believe me. I'm just a signpost to point them to the scriptures Come and on. by those by those be persuaded because a lot of churches aren't teaching the truth about hell. So in my book, I wrote 150 verses in my first book and 250 verses in my second oh. book. Everything I saw is already in the Bible. And that's what I'm trying to do is point people to the scriptures. So it doesn't mm. matter if they, you know, and secondly, I had a real estate career making a half a million dollars a year. And I left that career because God told me to go and tell people the book. There was no book in the beginning and the book didn't even take off for quite a while. And so I paid my own way. I didn't do this for money, but a dream, just a a regular dream that we normally get would not change your life and cause you to give up a career and go all around the world. And I don't even like traveling. And so, you know, but I knew the importance because it, it changed my life even though I've been a Christian for 28 years at that point, and I love the word, I've always studied the word. And like you said, I have never gone to dark movies. I have never taken drugs. I've never drank. I never had a vision before. I mean, I've never even had coffee before. Wow. I'm a health. I eat everything I can right and proper and I work out and I take care of myself. So, uh, you know, I've never, I would never let myself watch dark movies or take drugs or any of those foolish things. So this was not a result of any of that. This was just a vision and God can like, God took Paul and John to heaven in a vision. He just took me to hell in a vision and showed me hell. And I'm not the only one. There has been many people that have seen hell in a vision. And I'll just give you one, uh, John Bunyan, who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. Wow. The most famous book ever written. He wrote a book called, I got it right here because people bring this up. Wow. Visions of Heaven and Hell. This is by John Bunyan. God showed him hell in a vision. And uh, other people, Dr. Lester Summerall, He's a great, was a great man of God. Uh, He wrote a a book, Run With a Vision. God showed him a vision of hell and it changed his life. It caused him to uh, minister since he was 18 years old, all the way till he died at 86. He served God and uh, people know who he is, Dr. Lester Summerall, a well-known man. Many other people, I'm not the only one. I've met people that have seen hell, so I'm not unique. Uh, but again, it will change your life if you even get a glimpse of hell. I think it's interesting that you say, you know, you didn't need the money. You didn't you didn't need the money at all. You weren't in it for the money. You weren't even taking money for the first seven years of traveling. You're paying your own way. So all of those that would bring the argument of, oh, well, you're about the money, which I've had people tell me. I'm like, you have never heard a story. You obviously don't know him. You obviously haven't heard his testimony because I think that's such a strong point. There's no motivating factor for you. There's nothing for you to gain in it. And then also, I wanted to ask you this. I'm just personally curious. I'm, I'm amazed every time you share because you're just quoting scripture. Obviously, God's given you supernatural memory. He's given you a gift to be able to memorize these scriptures, quote these scriptures without notes. You're just, you're just speaking these out. It's incredible. It's interesting that everything you saw is right in line with scripture. I wanted to ask you, you have this experience. Obviously, now 
you start searching out the scripture to find all of this in the Bible. Were you amazed, Bill, when you realize, whoa, everything I saw, there's a scripture for it. Literally up until, like you said, the maggots, the demons, the fire, like everything, the hell being in the center of the earth. You have a verse for everything. There's nothing that you've said, in my opinion, that's unscriptural. Were you amazed by that, that what you saw was in the Bible? Yes, when this happened, after this occurred, I wanted to find out if everything I saw was in the Bible. So I started doing a study on hell. So for seven years, I read everything I could and heard every minister, every uh, message on hell. For I must have heard 500 messages. I read so many books to study so I would know. And so there was no book then. I had not written my book. Mm. And after those seven years, the publisher came to me and they said, would you write a book on your experience? And so I was prepared then to write it. And I thought, well, who would buy my book? You know, I'm not anybody. I'm just a realtor and so forth. But I was happy to write the book because I could place in there all the scriptures now that wow. I saw and wow. all the commentaries. I, I back it with t- many reputable commentaries about what they say about those verses. So nothing is taken out of context. Incredible. So that's my point. I'm trying to get the word of God across to people. I think God picked the right person because like you said, you don't want to be in the spotlight. You don't want to be speaking. You don't want to be writing books. Yet God takes the person that he knows won't take the glory, won't take the credit. Because like you said, you didn't even want to share this for, for all this time. You weren't even sharing it. And then all of a sudden your friend's asking you. Now, let me ask you another question. I didn't want to interrupt you as you're sharing. When you're in hell and the demons, you say, are tearing open your chest, throwing you against the wall. Is your body regenerating? Do you have a new body in hell? And if you don't, you know, if you're like, I'm not sure that's fine, but I'm just curious about, is your body regenerating as you're being tortured by these demons? You know, it seemed that way to me. Okay. I can't say for certain because I was there also in my spirit body. I wasn't condemned to hell. So Mm. my body might have been a little bit different than the people that are in hell. So I don't know exactly, but it seemed like what I could tell from my body that uh, it would resume. It would like get back the flesh that was torn. And the people I saw in the individual pits, the fire would come up and burn their flesh off and they would scream in agony. And then it would die down. The fire would die down. And it seemed like the flesh came back on their body from what I could see. But it's not easy to see in hell. It's so dark. But that's what it appeared to me. Wow. So there, there's not scripture for that, but there is scripture that you do have a body in hell, like Luke 16, the rich man, Jesus described. He yeah. had a body, he had a tongue, he had a mouth to speak, but this body withstands these torments. Wow. Let me ask you another question. Did you see any children in hell? And then also, is did you see genders? Were you able to look in that pit and say, oh, there's male, there's female, or was everybody just, like you said, just burning away useless? They are just burning. They look like a skeleton. You cannot distinguish a man from a woman. But I did notice the uh, skeletons appeared to be d- adult size. Okay. There was no small children. And I understood. For some reason, I understood there were no children there. Okay. But importantly, it's what the scripture says. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. And unless you accept the kingdom of heaven like a little child, you'll not enter. So I believe below the age of accountability, all children go to heaven. Whatever wow. that age is, the Bible doesn't say. Uh, some say seven or eight years old. Some say 12 or 13, the age of bar, bar mitzvah um, and so forth. So no one knows for sure. But I understood there were no little children there. Okay, let me ask you one more that I'm just very curious about with your story. 
do you believe or did you see that there was different levels of torment? I know I've heard stories of people that say they had, you know, it's hard to tell. With a guy like you, I 150% I believe it. I look at your character, I look at the scriptures, I look at your life and go, oh no, 150% I believe everything you're saying. I've heard other stories of people that are in a nice way questionable. I hear their testimony, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Something about their character, their story doesn't back, it's not backed up with scripture. So I've heard some of them say, you know, the sins that you were committing on earth, that's how you're tortured in hell. For example, you know, if you're a drug addict in hell, you're being tortured with needles, or if you're this, you're being tortured. Did you feel as if, or see, there's different levels of punishment or specific tortures for certain people? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I don't, I didn't get uh, revealed to me about different tortures for different people. I just knew there were different levels of torment. Okay. I don't know what the sin or what the torture would be for them, but I understood Matthew 23, 14, Jesus said, you shall receive the greater damnation. That infers mm. a lesser. Matthew 10, 15, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. That infers a less tolerable. Uh, Luke 12, 47 says you'll be beaten with many stripes or beaten with you. Hebrews 10, 28, oh. of how much worse of a punishment suppose it shall be for you. So there are worse punishments. There are different levels. I understood that. But I don't know. I didn't get revealed uh, the type of punishment someone. I've heard that before, where you know, like you said, if you're a drug addict, you'll you'll be addicted to drugs forever and be in that, or or not be given the drugs or whatever. I don't know. I didn't get that revealed to me. Okay. And then let me also ask you now: the demons that are tor torturing you and tormenting you. What do you think about people that might criticize and say, "Well, aren't the demons tortured themselves? How could they be torturing you? Why would they be torturing you?" And then let me add to that as well. You can answer this. I always say hell is not the devil's address, it's his destination. In other words, he's in the earth roaming. Is, the, is there any part where you saw the devil in hell or is the devil in hell, if you could just answer the demons thing right. and then maybe the devil? Sure. Um, well, first of all, Matthew 8, 29, uh, Jesus went to cast out a devil and the devil said, have you come to torment us before the time? Mm. So the demon indicated that they're not in torment yet and it's not yet come. Well, what time was the demon talking about? Revelation 20:10, when Satan is cast into the lake of fire, that's wow. a judgment day. So Matthew Henry's commentary and some other believers Bible and so forth, they point out that the demons are not in full torment now. They're in partial torment, but they'll be in full torment after judgment day. They'll be thrown into the lake of fire and then they'll be in full torment. Probably mm. won't be able to torment people. They'll be in torment themselves. But right now, Demons are cast down to the earth, Revelation 12, 9, and also Isaiah 14, 12 says, Lucifer was cast down to Sheol, to the sides of a pit. Mm. Well, Sheol are in hell. So he was cast down to the earth and Sheol. So the demons that followed him, some of them are in the current hell where people are, and some are on the earth. I don't know why. what the difference is about that. But there are demons there and you're in their territory and there's no angels to protect you and they wow. hate you. So why wouldn't they torment you? Yeah. So, and I, and I've, I've met many people that have had this ex, uh, experience uh, with uh, hell, either a dream or a vision or some even a near death experience that that got a glimpse of hell and they saw demons tormenting people. Uh, Kenneth Hagin himself had a vision where he was brought down to hell and a demon grabbed him right at the gate and tried to drag him into hell, but God pulled him out. Wow. Uh, Kenneth Hagin is a very reputable, was a very reputable man of God. And Bill, course. what is your thoughts on 
the idea that Hollywood portrays of hell as a fun place. And then also the idea that the devil's sitting on a throne on the top of some mountain in hell. And he, the devil just kind of sits there all the time. Doesn't really care about earth. Doesn't really care about what we're doing, but he's kind of just relaxing in hell. What are your thoughts on that? Like scripturally? No, I mean, it does say Satan uh, is accuser of the brethren. He's accuses us day and night before the throne of God. Mm. So, it doesn't say that he's there tormenting, uh, being tormented or r ruling over hell. Satan doesn't rule over hell. He has his demons, but God's the, one, God's the one that runs hell and dictates what people, what where they're assigned, their place they're assigned and so forth. So it's not like Satan's kingdom that he calls all the shots. God is the one that calls the shots. Okay, really good point. Okay, I want to ask you some of these questions. Just so the chat knows, there's a popular in my opinion, and, and Bill, you can correct me because you know it's your it's your interview. But there's a popular teaching that I'm actually shocked that very reputable YouTubers, pastors, preachers are starting to teach. And it, of course, it's not a new doctrine, but I believe it's a false doctrine. Where this is basically what they say: Okay, everybody that dies right now goes to sleep. They don't go to hell or heaven. They go to sleep. On the last final judgment, when we all get judged and God throws Hades and death in the lake of fire, then everybody goes into hell or in the lake of fire. So what they say, Bill, in a nutshell is, nobody's burning right now, Bill, nobody's in hell. Everybody that dies is soul sleeping, which I don't think they realize this is a Jehovah's Witness doctrine, but I won't go into that part. They say right. they're soul sleeping. So like there's people in the chat right now that's saying, Bill, there's no one in hell. Nobody goes to hell right now. That's way in the future. We're kind of in a holding a soul sleep. Let me know your thoughts on that yeah. scripturally. What do you think about that? Are people immediately going to hell right now? They are immediately going to hell right now. You know, those people that quote that they quote Revelation 2015, that at the great white throne judgment, they're cast into the lake of fire. Whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If they just back up two verses, verse 13 says death and hell, and it mm. uses the word Hades, deliver up the dead that are in them. Wow. So they're clear there's dead people in the current hell. They're delivered up. And then it says they're judged. And then they're thrown into the lake of fire. Mm. So those people are alive in the current hell. And look at Luke 16, the rich man Jesus talked about. And that was not a parable for two reasons. Number one, a parable never has a name mentioned in it. This has three names, Abraham, Lazarus, and Moses. So that's one reason it's not a parable. Number two, in verse 25 and verse 29, Jesus said, and Abraham said to the rich man. So Jesus was quoting Abraham as saying to the rich man. If it was a parable, Jesus would have been lying because Abraham wouldn't have said that. Wow. So it's a parable. It's a real true story. And it's uh, the, the word there, hell, is the word Hades, the current hell. So and it, it talks about the rich man died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And then it says the rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes. So the very next verse, it says, in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment in the flames. So it shows you immediately when he died, he went right to the current hell. And we've got many other scriptures about that. Isaiah 14, 9 and 10 says, hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, art thou become weak as we? Ezekiel 32, 21 says, the strong among the mighty that were upon the earth uh, shall speak out of the midst of hell. And the word hell there is the word Sheol. That's the current hell. And, um, you know, in number 1632, uh, the, the sons of Korah, when they died, it says, and the earth opened its, its mouth and they all went down alive into hell. 
Wow. So there's people in going down into hell that the current hell, that's the word again, Sheol. So that's very clear. And uh, Psalms 49.19 says, they shall never see light. Well, that presupposes their existence. They have to exist to see light, to not see light. Mm -hmm. uh, Job 15.30 says, they shall not depart out of darkness. Again, they have to be alive to not depart out of darkness. So there's people in, the, and there's so many scriptures about being uh, cast down alive into the pit. I was just going to give you a few more. Um, so help, good. It, anyway, uh, there, there's many more I could give you, but... Uh, as Ezekiel 26, 20 says, when I shall bring thee down with them that descend into the pit with the people of old time and set thee in the low parts of the earth in places desolate of old with them that go down into the pit. And the word mm. pit there is the word Sheol. So again, wow. uh, there's many scriptures. I don't know how they can miss it. But uh, yes, people are in the current hell that deny Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They go directly to the current hell. Okay. And then at Judgment Day, they're cast into the lake of fire. Okay. That's the future. Okay, so there's a current hell. That's the hell you visited when you had your 23 minutes, your Correct. vision you had, your out-of-body vision. You experienced the current hell. And then as you're right. saying, at the end of the book of Revelation, we see death and Hades give up their dead, and then everybody gets thrown, those that are not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, into the lake of fire. That's going right. to be the eternal hell, or the lake of fire, I guess, would be a better word for it. But you saw the current hell, which would be a temporary hell right now where people are absolutely definitively burning as we speak. Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's such yeah. a good explanation. Yeah, and, and there's many scriptures I could give you for burning. Isaiah 33, 12 through 14 says, the people shall be as the burnings of lime. They shall be as thorns cut up and thrown into the fire and burned. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And Jesus mentioned burnings in John 15, 6. He says, just as men gather branches that are withered, they are thrown into the fire and are burned. Wow. And Hebrews, Hebrews 6, 8 says, uh, their end, they shall be burned. So wow. there's many scriptures about burning in, in hell. Psalms 11, and, 6. And I'm glad you're saying that because there's another false teaching I'm thinking of where people say it's not a literal fire, Bill. It's just a torment. When he talks about fire, which, of course, they're stretching scripture. They're playing theological right. gymnastics. But they say... Hell is not, Bill, a literal fire. God would never do that. This is a mental type of torment. This is a type of, you know, it's more of a Buddhist mindset they have of like, this is just mentally right. tormenting for a certain amount of time. Uh, talk a little bit. I know you just quoted some yeah. verses. Is this literal fire? Are they actually burning literally? Yes, it's actual literal fire. And, you know, when the rich man wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue, he said he was tormented in the flame. Wow. Now, if it was just flames of mental anguish, why would water suffice? Mm, that's a good point. Water. Revelation 9, 2, when it says the bottomless pit is opened up, it says there arose a great smoke out of that pit, and our air and sun were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Well, it couldn't have been a metaphorical fire. It had to be a real fire to produce the real smoke that darkened our sky, and that came from a pit in hell and so forth. So, And then you've got Revelation 19, 20, and Revelation 20, 10. Uh, Revelation uh, 21, 8, I'll talk about that the lake is burning with fire and brimstone. Wow. And they're thrown, people are thrown into the lake that's burning with fire. It's not your mind burning. It's the lake that's burning with fire and brimstone. And people are thrown into that lake. Wow. And, and the current hell, they're not in the lake, but they're in fire still. And uh, like all those scriptures I already mentioned about the fires of hell, Psalms eleven six. upon the wicked, he will rain fire and brimstone in a horrible tempest. 
Wow. Psalm 140 verse 10, let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits. I mean, there's 49 scriptures also that talk about the fires of hell. I mean, I don't know how people could twist that many and say it's not, it's metaphorical fire. Yeah, no, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be like the devil, Bill, to make this false doctrine, to make hell not so bad? Wouldn't it be the right. devil who would say, hell's not that bad, it's not literal fire, it's not a big deal. If you go there, A, it's a party. I always tell people, if you think hell's a party, what you don't realize is you're on the grill. There's no party in hell. <laughs> this is such a Hollywood lie and deception right. that Hollywood political parties have said, hell's no big deal. There's going to be music, dancing, celebrities say, it's a great it's a great party. We're going to have a lot of fun. Bill, couldn't that not be farther from the truth? So many people try to downplay hell because they cannot reconcile loving God with a God that will allow people to be tormented like that. Wow. But that's what Jesus said. He even said in Mark 9, 43, if your eye offends thee, dig it out. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than into hell fire. So that's pretty graphic. He's saying, do something as graphic as digging out your own eye if it's causing you to sin so you can avoid hell. And he talked about hell in 46 different verses because he's a loving God. He doesn't want us to go there, but that's how severe hell is. And people try to downplay it by soul sleep or universalism that says everybody escapes hell and goes to heaven or annihilationism. That's a teaching that says you simply cease to exist. So again, it's it's a downplaying. And then also to say that there's the fire is not real fire. It couldn't be more clear from the scriptures that it's literal fire. Mm. You know, like like Jesus said in John 15, 6, if a man abides not in me, just as men gather branches that are withered, they are thrown into the fire and burned. I mean, is that clear enough for you? Wow. You know, you pick up a stick and you throw it in the fire, it's burned. So will you that don't know the gospel and don't receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll, you'll be burned in fire. So you're, important. You're to be burned. I would like to so also ask you, Bill, I know you've answered so many questions already that I had planned to ask you, but another one I want to say is I, I'm interested on the fact that you said you had this, you don't know how, but you had a knowledge, a supernatural knowledge that you were in the center of the earth. You did touch on that quickly. Is hell an actual location in the center of the earth? Or when we're talking tonight, are we talking about a spiritual dimension? Because to me, the idea that there's a literal place with prisons and bars and fire under my feet right now, like I'm sitting in an air-conditioned studio, you're in your air-conditioned office, we're very comfortable, we're sharing. I, I, It's so hard to wrap my head around. There's a literal place. It, it feels so much worse that there's a real place in the center of the earth below me where people are burning. Now, I don't know the details. I, I want to say scientists say they've gone, what is it, seven miles, Bill, eight miles, maybe you know. That's the deepest they've ever gone, and they say the core is about 2,000 miles, if I'm not mistaken, two to 4,000 miles, yeah. they believe, but they've only gone six or seven miles. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are we talking literal place or are we talking yes. just a spiritual dimension that we appear into? No, it's a literal place. You know, even in Luke 16, it reveals a lot. It says they were separated by a great gulf fixed. Mm. Well, a gulf, that word gulf is a gorge in the earth. Look it up. It means a gorge in the earth. So they wow. were separated by this gorge. One side was the paradise side. One side was the torment side before Jesus arose from the dead. He took all those people out of the Abraham's bosom and brought them up to heaven after that. But it was a gorge in the earth. Also, remember in number 1632, it says that the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up alive. And they all went down alive into hell. Wow. And it uses the word Sheol. 
So that's pretty graphic and clear that the earth itself opened. They all went down. And again, there's 49 scriptures that talk about where the current hell is located. Amos 9.2, though you dig into hell. Isaiah 14.9, uh, hell from beneath. Uh, there's all these scriptures about being beneath your feet. Uh, number 16, 32 and 33, when I shall bring thee down with them that descend into the pit with the people of old time and set thee in the low parts of the earth. Ezekiel 31, 16 says the same thing. They should go down into the pit, into the lower parts of the earth and so forth. So it's very clear that that's where it is down deep in the earth. And I, I understood that I was down deep in the earth. And like wow. I said, I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. And, you know, remember when in 1 Samuel 28, when King Saul uh, called on uh, the witch of Endor yes. and bring up Samuel, it said, and Samuel ascended up out of the earth. Mm. Well, he was in Abraham's bosom side, which is separated by Gulf Fix. So on the other side was the torment side. And it says he ascended up out of the earth in 1 Samuel 28. Uh, wow. 14. So that's very clear. He ascended up out of the earth and he was coming up from the same place. And this so, is when uh, Jesus in the New Testament goes down, gets them out of Abraham's bosom. And the Bible says for several days, these saints that had passed were walking around the city. I don't know if you guys missed that in the Bible. It talks about how Jesus yeah. got them, brought them up, and then they're walking around the city for several days while Jesus is talking to his disciples. So that's kind of what you're talking about. Because a lot of people in the chat now are saying, wait a minute, Abraham's bosom, what is that? Is that Old Testament? Is that new? Can you just quickly for a minute or two yeah. explain the Abraham bosom versus the Old Testament right. hell and all that? Right. When people died in the Old Testament before Jesus came, they didn't go directly to heaven because our sins were only covered. They weren't washed away and that you could not mm. enter heaven unless our sins are washed away and dealt with. So they went to a place uh, down deep in the earth called Abraham's bosom or paradise. And um, it was a place separated by that gulf fixed. And so in Luke 16, it reveals a lot that the rich man wanted to send Lazarus to warn his brothers so they wouldn't come there. He said, they, I know they have to repent. So he knew that. That was interesting. He knew that. He had his full memory. He thought about his brothers. and But, but he said, Abraham said, uh, those we cannot cross over to you and you cannot cross over to us. So right there, that shows you cannot get out of hell. So oh. universalist, universalism, just that one verse uh, refutes that. He so said, you can't good. get You can't cross over. So um, that made it very clear there. But that revealed a lot that he had his full memory. He didn't want his brothers to come there. He was tormented in the flame. He wanted a drop of water. And he knew he didn't even ask to get out of hell. He knew he was guilty because he never repented. Mm. But um, but anyway, so that's, that's very story. good. Now, what about Bill? Let me throw this one at you. There's there's a lot of Catholic people that follow our streams. They're in the chat. Oh, that's purgatory. Talk, talk to me about purgatory. Is this biblical? Because I did a whole teaching on purgatory and how they say you can pay your loved ones out of purgatory. You can do a lot of, you know, religious deeds. Is purgatory in the Bible, Bill? No, it's not. Definitely. You know, um, Matthew 25, 46, Jesus said, these should go into everlasting life and these should go into everlasting punishment. Mm. Use the same word everlasting as the word aeonios. So just as describing heaven is everlasting, so is hell everlasting. It says the same thing in John 5, 29, Mark 16, 16, Daniel 12, 2, Acts 24, 15, Matthew 13, 30, Matthew 13, 49, all explain that hell is eternal. There is no uh, purgatory that you pay off your sins and then you get let out. Mm. No, there's no such thing. See, you know, we're saved by faith, through, uh, made by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, yes. 8, 9. So you're not saved by time spent 
working off your sins. That that's just so unbiblical. So and that would be works. Yeah. We're saved by grace by works. And Absolutely. you know, that's another thing. People think that, you know, maybe okay, couldn't God let someone out of hell after that's one of one of the questions I know we talked about. You know, does 70 or 80 years of sin on our on our life on earth here, does that deserve an eternity of punishment? The crime doesn't seem to fit the punishment. That's how people uh, relate that to. Yeah. But see, time, time is the wrong premise because if you spent 500 years in hell and said, man, I paid for my sin, well, that would be works. We're saved by grace, mm. not by works. But also, our time is not valuable enough to pay for sins. Only the shed blood of Jesus can pay for sins. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So time is the wrong premise. Our time is not valuable enough. But also the third reason why God cannot let someone out of hell and why it's justifiable uh, for eternity is because we have to realize who we've sinned against. Wow. You know, Tom, Thomas Aquinas said this. He was considered the greatest theologian of the medieval church. And he said this. He said, the higher the position the ones sinned against, the graver the sin. In other words, if I lie to you, it'd be wrong. But if I lie to the Supreme Court, it'd be worse because of their position. If I punch my brother in the stomach, that'd be wrong. But if I punch my mother in the stomach, that'd be worse because of her position. Well, God is infinitely greater in position, but he's also infinitely greater in being. If I step on a bug and kill it, no big deal, even though it's life. But if I kill a dog or a cat, especially your pet, that would be deserving of some kind of punishment. Yet if I kill a human being, a higher form of life, that would be deserving of much greater punishment. Well, we've sinned against the holy, omnipotent, perfect, eternal, almighty God. Therefore, our sin against him is deserving of eternal punishment. So we have to get our head around that, that we do deserve eternal punishment because of who we've sinned against. That's so good. Now, what about, okay, so I'm, I'm glad you talked about that because, you you know, what you're posing is people that say, it's not fair, Bill. It's not fair. How could a loving God, how could I, 70 years, now I'm going to be in eternity in hell. I'm so glad you explained that. It's about who you're sinning against. You can't pay your way out. What about if somebody lives a wicked life and then at the last moment, and this is another question that doesn't seem fair. Like, I've, I've served God my whole life. And here you have this guy that's wicked. The last moment, he genuinely turns to God, repents of his sin. Does he does he escape this hell after a whole life of sin? He's able to just escape and go to heaven. What are your thoughts on deathbed conversions or deathbed salvation? Yes, absolutely. He would go to heaven because that's God's grace and mercy. That's how loving he is and how he doesn't want somebody to go to hell. You know, like the thief on the cross. I mean, he was a thief. And right at the last, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise because he repented. So yes, that person will go to heaven if they truly repent from their heart. Now, that doesn't mean you live a wicked life and at the last minute you plan on maybe changing the last. That God would know goes, knows your heart. But, but see, we have to get our head around. It has nothing to do with being good, like a person led a good life all their life. Well, the Bible says there's none good. No, not one. Uh, oh. Romans 3.10 and 3.12. So none of us are good. So if we understand that, that we're not good, none of us deserve heaven. No matter how good a life you led, uh, at the end of your life, you still would go to hell. Even oh. if you lived the best possible life you could live. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs 24.9 that says, even the thought of foolishness is a sin. If we have one foolish thought our entire life, that would exclude us from heaven. Oh. Well, that's a pretty high standard. So none of us can say, man, I'm pretty good. Let me out. Matter of fact, Job 15, 16 says, man is so filthy, he drinks iniquity like water. 
So thank God it's not based on being good. So that's why that person that lived a bad life and then repents the last, they can still go because the good has nothing to do with it. Not based on good. It's based on repentance and receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So that good. That's so good, Bill. Everything you're, every answer has just been so, so good. I want to ask you a couple. I'm already asking you hard ones, but a couple more hard hitting uh, the, sure. the people in the chat, I want to equip them because their friends and family keep asking them these questions and we don't know what to say. We're like, I mean, I guess you're right. And the question I'm about to ask you legitimately has made people turn from the faith, has made pastors become universalists, has, has made pastors join the new age because they can't grasp what I'm about to ask you. Yeah. How could a loving God send people to hell? Wouldn't sending someone to hell automatically make God unloving. This is a big point of contention. I would love your answer because I think a lot of people in the chat, they get stumped. Their family says, how could a loving God send people to hell? And you're like, oh, that's a good point. So what are your thoughts on that, Bill? Right, people think God's not loving. Well, you mean the same God that died a horrible death on the cross to keep you out? Mm. You mean that one's not loving? What more would you want him to do? He gave his life a horrible death to keep you out of hell. So, And God's not sending anybody to hell. Because Revelation 21.8 says, all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. So there's the warning. He just told you, if you don't believe Jesus is the only way, as Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If you say, I don't believe that, well, then there's a verse for you. Revelation 21.8 says, all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. He just told you, oh. if you don't believe Jesus is the only way, there's the warning. You'll end up in the lake of fire. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 12.37, your own words will condemn you. Because you said, I don't believe the Bible. Your wow. words send you to hell. God's not sending anybody to hell. He's trying to keep people out of hell. But because he loves everyone, he gives them a free will to choose. He tells you, here's how you stay out. But people don't listen. You know, mm. it's like if I put uh, 250 signs up on the highway saying the bridge is out, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. One after another, you go by 250 of them and you drive off the cliff. You can't blame the state and say, they didn't warn me. Well, they gave you 250. There's 250 verses in the Bible that warn you about hell. So it's a person that rejects Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they send themselves to hell. They just don't realize what they're doing. You know, but they, but they know that because people get across, come across their path, they witness to them, they share the gospel. God gives them even dreams and vision. Job 33 says, God will give man dreams and visions to keep back his soul from the pit. So God tries to get through to people their entire life, but they push him away. You know, one last thing to point out, a lot of people think that, you know, how can uh, God send his children to hell? Well, the people going to hell are not God's children. Wow. God's children, Galatians 3.26, John 1, 12, John 8, 44, Romans 9, 7 and 8, John 17, 9, Ephesians 5, 1, Ephesians 1, 5, all explain that God is your creator. He's not your father to invite him in as your savior. Mm. Then he becomes your father. So see people throughout their life, they say, I don't want you as my father. They push him away. So he is not their father. People have to realize there are two fathers. Jesus said in John 8, 44, and to the Pharisees, the most religious people of the day, he said, your father is the devil. Wow. That's pretty strong. So in other words, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not his child and your father is the devil. Mm. So why would you go to God's house? Because you're not in his family. You would go to Satan's house because you're in his family. Wow. Because it's your choice. You know? So good. I like what you said earlier too. You said, 
people they don't want God they don't want to serve God they don't want to praise God and then they want God to send them to heaven I tell people all the time is like you call yourself an atheist you say you hate God you don't believe in him why would a loving God send you somewhere forever that you where you don't want to be you just said you don't want God you don't like him and you say well if God's loving he wouldn't send me to hell but hell as you said earlier is the absence of God there's no God I like what you said, there's no strength, there's no peace, there's no hope, there's no joy, there's no purpose, there's no water. Everything God is, hell is the opposite of that, yet people are mad that God is sending, why is God sending people to hell? Well, you're sending yourself there. Hell is your default location. God provides a way out, gives you a lifeboat. You're already drowning, we're all, we're all already drowning in our sin. Jesus comes on the lifeboat and you go, I don't want you, Jesus, and then Jesus goes, well, there's no one else coming. Like, I'm the only one coming. There's no one behind me coming to save you. I'm the only one that's going to save you, yet you tell Jesus, keep going. I don't want the lifeboat. I want to just drown in my own sin. Yet tonight, I don't know, Bill, if there is a more grace message than what you're sharing tonight. Some might hear condemnation. I hear, this is the grace of God, what you're sharing. Isn't grace, Bill, you saying, I'm going to, I'm going to warn you of a place that everyone else is not warning you of. Other people are afraid to tell you about this, and I'm here warning you so that you don't have to go. There's 4,300 people watching, and here's the beauty. Every single one of you listening, you don't have to go to this place. This place is so terrible. It's putrid. It's vile. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Some of you are saying, man, my stomach turns when you talk about this, Bill. Yes, yes, and guess what? The beauty is you don't have to go there. Like, how amazing that you're on this tonight live this is live guys for those you keep asking and we're and we're sharing you the message of salvation jesus warning people guys don't go here we don't want no one to go here this is what we're saying tonight go ahead bill i'm sorry i cut you off there no no you know it's like if you were in a hotel sleeping and you heard someone running down the hall saying fire fire get out get out you wouldn't be mad at that person you'd be grateful they woke you up to get out of the burning hotel it's the same thing god's given us a warning he's trying to tell you you know, because we're all born in sin. Uh, John 3, 17, 18 says, he's not sending it. We're already condemned because we're all born in sin. Mm. So that's different than being sent there. We're all automatically going there. Everybody above the age of accountability is on the road to hell. That's why Jesus came was a plan across right in the middle of that road that we're all on. So all we have to do is repent of our sin, look up to the cross and receive him as our Lord and Savior. And he'll take us off that road. That's so good. One more thing to explain. See, God cannot let someone out of hell and take them into heaven the way we are in our fallen nature because God's nature is different than ours. In Hebrews 12, 29 and Nahum 1, 5 said, God is a consuming fire. And it says in Nahum 1, 5 that all of us in our fallen nature would be consumed at his presence because his nature is different than ours. It's like if I stuck my hand into the fire to retrieve something and the fire burned me, I wouldn't say, why'd that fire burn me? That was me to that fire. No, I wouldn't say that, would I? Because the fire and my hand are not compatible. Well, neither is a holy God and sinful man compatible. Our nature is fallen and we are not compatible with the holy God. We have to have a new nature. And the only way we get it is if we trust in the work of the cross. We trust in Jesus. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So if we would trust in the cross and say, Lord, I trust you. What you, you've died on the cross for me, and I repent of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. If you do that, then God gives you a new nature. He gives us a new heart and a new spirit that's Mom. compatible with 
of his, now we can stand before holy God as if we never sinned because Jesus took our sins. We have that new nature he just gave us. Now we can go to heaven. So good. That's a wonderful plan God came up with. People complain and say, I don't like this one-way business you Christians have. So you ought to be grateful there is a way. He made a way where there was none. Can you talk about that, Bill, for those that would say, and I could I could talk to you all night yeah. and ask you all these questions. I have a couple more. Can you talk about those yeah. that say, okay, they're listening tonight, right? Of course, not everyone's a believer. And those that are not believers, we want you here. We're This, this whole message is mostly for the unbeliever. I think also it'll wake up some Christians that haven't been witnessing evangelizing. They don't have a heart for the lost. This will wake them up, I believe, tonight. Those that are unbelievers, they're listening, Bill. I know what they're thinking. They're thinking, well, this can't be the only way. Like, you're telling me that Christianity, Jesus, is the only way? Surely, Bill, there has to be other ways. You know, Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age, uh, all these other religions, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, and Islam. It, it can't be that you guys are the only way. Is, is Jesus, Bill, the only way to heaven? Talk to us about that. Is there other routes to get to, to get to heaven and get out of hell? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Mm. He said there's only one way. And uh, Acts 4, 12 says, There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus. There's no other name. And you know, most of the world religions, most of the world religions are based on philosophical thought, except for four. Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. These four are based on personality, but only Christianity claims resurrection for its founder. Mm. No other religious leader died for your sins and then rose from the dead. That makes Christianity unique. Nobody else has risen from the dead on their own power like Jesus did, and he died for our sins. He said he would, and he said he would rise from the dead. No other religious leader has done that. That's why Christianity is unique. And someone has to pay for your sins. That's Jesus. Well, no other religious leader even claims to do that. So, and they couldn't anyway, because they're just men. And most of these religious leaders and other religions, they were not gods. They were just men. And they died and they're in the tomb. Jesus rose from the dead. And everybody, the Romans back then and the Jews were looking for that body because they wanted to stop Christianity. Because the, the Romans didn't want it to spread and Jews didn't want it to spread because they denied Jesus. So they looked diligently for that body. They never found it. And no one ever has after 2000 years because he rose from the dead, just like he said. So, so good. that makes Christianity unique. You know, he's a loving God. He's trying to keep people out of hell. Why would anybody fight it and say, I just don't believe that? Well, then you're calling Jesus a liar. He said he was the only way. So it's up to you. If you want to stand before judgment day at the great white throne judgment and stand there and say, I thought Jesus was lying. I didn't believe him. That's up to you. But you're going to stand there with all those mighty angels and God's awesome power and demons ready to drag you off into hell. Oh, and you, you would be desperate for that offer of salvation that, that you can have right now. So I've, used, heard, I've used your illustration many times, Bill, where you talk about getting to your house. Um, you know, how are you going to tell if you want to share that illustration? I think it's a great one because many people can use it when they're talking to friends and family. I've used it when people say, how's God, how's, how's Jesus the only way? You want to share that illustration or that analogy? Sure. Well, they think people think they're a good person, so they should go to heaven. And that's what a majority of people think. Well, we already showed that we're not good. Uh, Romans 3.10 and 3.12 and Psalms 143 and many others point out that there is none good, no, not one. 
We're all filthy rags in God's sight. So thank God it's not based on being good. It's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you still might have trouble and think, my neighbor, they're a good person. They raise their kids right. Well, good has nothing to do with it. And this analogy might help. Say you went and found the most expensive home in the country and knocked on their door and said, oh, excuse me, I'm moving in with you because I'm a good person. What do you think the people would say? No, no right? Way. They have no relationship with you. You don't know them. You wouldn't expect them to let you move into their house. Well, you go through your whole life. You deny Jesus is the son of God, which he said is the only way to his house. Then at the end of your life, you have the nerve to come knock on his door, demand to live there because you're a good person. What does good have to do with it? You don't know him. Wow. He's, he's not your father. You pushed him away. He offered to be a person's father, but they say, no, I don't want you in my life. You have to repent. And he's your creator. He's not your father to invite in Jesus as your savior. Then he becomes your father. Now you have the privilege and the honor to live at God's house. Wow. So it's our choice, you know. Jesus gives us a free will to choose. Love doesn't force anyone. God cannot force you into anything, but he made the way. He died on the cross so you wouldn't have to go. It so is good. your choice. So good. You know, I want to add to your analogy as well. You know, imagine someone knocks and says, oh, by the way, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a cheater. I'm an idolater. You'd be like, dude, get away from my house. Yet we in our sin, we've broken, the Bible says, all of God's commands. We are liars, thieves, cheaters, fornicators. And then we knock, as you said, and go expecting God to let us live with him and all his other children. Like I, I, I wouldn't let you come stay at my house simply because I have four little girls and you're not staying at my house. Sorry, we'll get you a hotel. We'll pay for a hotel room. You're not staying at my house. Some random person knocks on my door. Why is God going to let you in with all of his other children and you're broken his laws? And so that's such a good illustration to use. And then another one you always say is like, if I give you directions to my house and then you take, you try to go another way, you want to share that one real quick? Yeah. Well, it's like people think Jesus is, uh, there's more than one, they think there's more than one way to heaven. Well, there's not. And this analogy might help. If you went, and, um, if I, inv you invited me over to dinner and you said, Bill, I want you to go south on Highway 95, turn right at Main Street, go up the hill, you'll come to my house. But that's the only way to get to my house. And I say to you, you know what? I'm going to go to North on 95. I'm going to get off at Beach Boulevard because I think all roads lead to your house. That's what mm. I think. Well, you're going to tell me, Bill, you're not going to get to my house. I'm trying to give you clear directions to my house. Well, the same thing. God gives us clear directions to his house. I think God knows where he lives. Come on. All we have to do is follow his clear directions and we will get there. That's not narrow-minded. That's specific. He's so given us good. specific directions of how to get there and you know and this is the clear directions luke 13 3 jesus said unless a man repent you shall all likewise perish what does repent mean that means to have a humble heart to admit you're a sinner agree to turn away from sin and agree to follow jesus mm. that's true repentance and romans 10 9 and 10 says if we confess with our mouth the lord jesus and believe in our heart that god's raised him from the dead we shall be saved you have to confess him with your own mouth and believe it in your own heart mm. and then that's the only way you can go to heaven. There is only one way. So good. So you put, so to make sure we never go there, we got to put our faith in Jesus. We have to repent, turn from our sins. You know, our mind changes, metanoia. We turn for it and then we live for God. Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing, Bill, and then I'm going to, we're going to pray for the people because I know there's a lot of people here just waiting for some prayer is in hell, do people know that Jesus is the way, the truth and life? Do people know, do, do atheists 
finally know the truth? Is, is there some type of redemption? I know there is a story you talked about where they see the prophets and the Bible says they see the prophets and then they themselves are thrown out. Is there some type of awareness of like, man, I should have listened. And now, now I truly know God is who he said he was when I ignored him my whole life. I believe people would know just like the rich man in Luke 16, he knew his brothers needed to repent or they would come there. So the rich mm. man knew that. Now also that, but there are also people in hell that are so wicked that uh, it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To gnash your teeth means you're angry and mad. So there's some people that just will never change and they'll be angry at God for all eternity. They might still, they might know that he was the only way and they needed to repent, but they're so angry that they're going to gnash their teeth for all eternity. So, so good. That, that's a good question though. So, you know, I, Revelation 20, Go ahead. Uh, so Revelation 2015 says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God actually has a book. He's going to look to see if our name's in his book. And you don't want to miss this one. You want to make absolutely certain that your name is written in his book. Yes. So good. You know, because, you know, he would have to say to you, if it's not, your name's not here. Then the next words he would say, depart from me into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He so good. I want to ask you one last thing. I've actually been meaning to ask you this for a couple months because I did a teaching on this and I could be off. I don't have, you know, scriptural for, scripture for this. I just want to know your thoughts. Again, I could be completely wrong on this. When someone dies, you have a lot of, I was reading a lot of near-death experiences and then not just near-death, but after-death. So people, for example, you know, one lady attempted suicide, actually died, was dead. The ambulance came, revived her, but she has this whole story about how she went to hell, she was in a dungeon cell, she was being tortured. And you read thousands of these stories, Bill, of people, now I'm not talking about a vision or a dream, I'm talking about they literally clinically died on an operating table. I'm sure you've heard these, right? In front of, yes. and they go to hell, and then modern medicine revives them, brings them back to life. We use some type of technology to bring them back, and they wake up and go, oh, I was in hell, I was in hell. Again, you don't have to, whatever you think, I could yeah. be wrong. I do believe a lot of these experiences, and I, I'm very careful about, what, obviously we don't want to create doctrine on these experiences. We don't want to start giving all this merit to them. What are your thoughts on people that, thousands that have died and said, I went to hell, or maybe I went to heaven, and then I came back to my body. Do you think any of these are valid, or are these completely off? I think some of them are valid. There's people, uh, Dr. Maurice Rawlings, he wrote a book. He was a, a cardiologist, famous cardiologist. And he wrote a book, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, I got it here, actually, To Helen Back. Okay. And he documented 3,000 cases of near-death experiences oh. or clinical death experiences. Mm. And many of them, they were slipping out of their body and they were on their way to hell, and but they were resuscitated. So they they most all of them didn't fully die. They were almost dead and they were on their way others that maybe did actually die we they have found out that they had a family member praying diligently for them uh, and god was merciful and resuscitated them and extended their life so there are some of those cases and some like I, like you said that have seen heaven also That's but good. Um, in, in general a person does not get to see hell and then get saved after that uh, that's mm. pretty rare it's usually just a near death. They didn't die. They were on their way to hell. I know two people personally that I went to. Uh, my neighbor was a tough Marine. He was an atheist, really tough as nails. 
and he didn't believe the Bible at all. And I found out he was sick, dying in the hospital. So I asked his wife, could we go see him? And she said, sure, but don't talk about the Bible. He doesn't, he's not interested in the Bible. And so my wife and I went to see him and he was just all shriveled up now. And he was a big, tough guy. And um, he, he looked at me and he says, Bill, last night I was slipping out of my body. I was going wow. down a dark, dark tunnel and it was getting hotter and hotter. And then I saw flames and I knew I was heading to hell. He said, I was terrified. And I thought of you because you're the only Christian I really know. And here you come to see me today. And he says, how do I stay out of hell? I've never been afraid of anything, but I was terrified. That was his words. And he had fear in his eyes that you could not believe. So God was merciful to him. And we led him to the Lord. And then a peace came over him. And then just a few hours later, he died. Wow. Thank God we went. But but that's God, God's mercy. And usually it's a family member praying for them to keep them out of hell. That's so, that's so good. So to be clear, chat, we're talking, we're not talking about people that have been dead for a year. They're in hell and God brings them out. We're talking right. about people that have died immediately. And then with medical intervention, they get resuscitated and they say, I was in hell. I've been, you know, revived. Right. So very clear here. We're not creating a theology saying people can die and a year later, God will raise them up and bring them out of hell. Yeah. That's not at all what we're saying. Right. And some of these people that even clinically died, they're only dead for a minute or two. Yeah. So they can revive them yep. if with the right medical attention. So that's what's yep. happened to them. You know, the pastor that of the church I got saved at and the one that brought you out 13 years ago here to Modesto when I heard you, he in yeah. college, I might be butchering a little bit, but in college, he actually got saved because he had a, a dream or a vision. He doesn't know what it was exactly, he said, where he was falling down a pit and very hot, falling into a thing of fire, woke up and God said, you're going to hell if you don't turn your life around. And he had burns on his face. His face was physically burned from that yeah. vision, that dream, however you want to describe it. And it, of course, was a wake-up call. He ends up getting saved. His parents were not saved. And now he, you know, has pioneered this large church and I'm a fruit of his ministry. You know, you've spoke for him as well. But man, I thought right. it was so interesting yeah. that he had that vision or that dream and then woke up and his face was literally red like sunburned. It wasn't burned like third degree, but it was like a sunburn. His face was really red when he woke up. Right. People have these, these are really God waking people up, giving God a wake-up call. And I know religious people say, oh, God can't do that. And my thing is like, God can do whatever he wants to do. How are you going to tell God he can't give someone a vision of hell or give God a, a dream or whatnot? I would like to, okay, I know I keep saying last one. Again, I could talk to you all night, Bill. No, no. Uh, what? Let me just get that one yeah, scripture. Go, go Job, ahead. 33 says, Job 33 says, he even gives man dreams and visions to keep back his soul from the pit. Doesn't wow. say what he gives them. So God is merciful. He's trying every which way to keep people out of hell. Wow. Yeah. I want to ask you this. Uh, this is my my ninth last question. Again, I'm like, oh, there's so much I, I can ask you. I love it. We could talk all day. Um, last thing I want to say, okay, so you have this experience. You years didn't, you know, you all didn't talk about it. Talk about it in Bible study. Seven years. There's no book. You're traveling on your own dime, sharing the story. Now it's been years and years of you sharing the story. You go to hell just in a nutshell. Why? Why does God... What is, the, what is the commission that God gives you? You go to hell. Does God ever tell you? And I might have missed it in your story here tonight. But just for the viewers, does God ever tell you, Bill, this is why I sent you? You know, because obviously you, you must have been asking God, why me? Why did you send me there? Is there ever an answer to, like, what's the answer to the why of God sending you to hell? You know, I asked them that. One of the things I, I, I the thought came to my mind, he never answered me. Mm. You know, I thought, 
why did he pick me? I'm the last guy I would have picked. You know, I don't like public speaking. I don't like traveling. And uh, the, I don't even like the summer. That's too hot for me. But anyway, the point was, I don't know. But I, if I had to guess, it would be this. I studied the word at that point a lot for 28 years. I love the word of God. And I think God knew that I would point people to the scriptures. I, I'm not trying to draw wow. attention to experience. It doesn't matter if they believe my experience. It's to believe the word of God. And I, so I believe he knows I would have been faithful to point them to the scriptures. I'm just a signpost to point people to the scriptures. That would be my guess. So good. And I also want to say, I had this thought while you were talking, because of course, no matter what we say, people are going to misunderstand us. They're going to commit to, we're false, we're false teachers, whatever. I'm sure you've been called everything. I've been called everything. So we're not trying to convince everybody. If people didn't believe you tonight, if they say, you know what, Bill, even though you quoted 100 scriptures tonight, which you did, even though you're genuine, you're humble, and I, we believe all that, I just don't believe you. Here's what I had a thought of, Bill. It actually doesn't matter because everything you said in your experience is in the Bible. So even if someone doesn't believe your story, everything in your story would still be true because the word of God says it true. So for example, someone would say, I don't believe there was a bed of maggots. I don't believe you were covered in maggots. Actually, it doesn't matter if you believe his story because in the Bible, it literally talks about maggots being in hell. Someone might say, well, I don't believe there was fire. You talk about you were in the fire. You could see, but it was dark. I don't believe. It actually doesn't matter because the Bible says there's fire. The Bible talks about darkness and outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's interesting that doesn't even matter if they believe you. It actually doesn't matter at all because everything you said tonight is in the word of God. And that is where we're telling you guys to build your house. That is where we're saying build your life, not on, on Bill's experience, not on my experience, but build it on the word of God because that's truly the lasting foundation. But again, your, your, your whole story, it's so interesting how, and it's so godly that it's just, man, the word of God backs up your story fully. You know, it says also, you'll know them by their fruits, Jesus mm. said. And we have on our website, we have uh, church after church strung together of a hundred churches showing the altar call with thousands of people getting saved. This is not to my credit at all. I couldn't save a soul, but mm. it's just showing that when you speak the word, God, we've had so many thousands. I don't know how many, a million people at our at the church services come forward and get saved. So, so there's been the fruit. There's been the fruit. People are committing their lives to Jesus, and it does wake up the Christian also. It causes them to appreciate uh, much more what they were saved from, causes them to walk more in the fear of the Lord, not to live a compromised lifestyle, but walk in the holiness of God, and uh, to pray and read their Bible and, and seek God with all their heart. And number three, it gives them more of a passion for the lost. Good. A desire to want to witness. I mean, this wakes people up because you think, I didn't know hell was this severe. Yeah. And so you might not, you won't just pray a little nice, little cute prayer for your family members or the people that your friends. No, you'll get on your knees. Maybe you'll fast and pray. You'll pray diligently and say, I cannot let someone go to this horrible place. I didn't know it was that bad. So it'll wake you up to pray more diligently for those around you. And that's so what good. it's doing for the Christian. So, you know, so again, good believe me, but just get on fire for God. And it's know? amazing now, Bill, with the advent of social media, obviously, you know, I'm a nerd. So I'm like, oh, I want to reach more people with social media. But I was saying earlier that just your videos on my channel all together, over 2 million views. So over 2 million people have been reached 
just with the videos we've done together. That's not including all the other interviews and television yeah. shows and churches you've been to, to be able to reach millions of people with oh. this message. And it's it's the message of the gospel. It's not, oh, that guy talks about hell. No, no, your, me your message is not a message on hell. Your message is the gospel pure gospel message, pure cross presentation, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. I've, it's fully that, it's fully that. And so what an amazing, go ahead. Yeah, and some say, oh, you know, you're using scare tactics. Well, yeah, hell should scare any rational yes. person. I hope it does scare you. Jude 23 says some are saved through fear, mm. pulling them out of the fire. So some are saved through fear. Some you cannot just say, oh, God loves you and a nice, sweet message. They're not going to listen to that. They yep. have to hear sometimes, hey, okay, you deny Jesus. This is where you're going. Just know that. Your choice. If you want to burn forever, that's up to you. But you won't be able to point the finger at God because God told you the way and used me to tell you. So some, are, again, are saved through fear. But it is actually also, like you said, a loving message because it's a message of warning. And I think right now, the hour that we live in, you could just turn on the television and see that people need that raw truth. When I was an atheist, I did not need someone to say, Jesus loves you. If you came to me, Bill, and said, Jesus loves you, I would have said, cool, I love me. I'm arrogant, I'm proud, I'm an, I'm, I'm an atheist for, for you know the sake of, I just, everything was about me. That's what the atheist does. They right. worship the God of self. That was my life. I needed this message. I needed someone to say, Isaiah, look me in the eye and say, you're going to hell. There's a real place and you're going there. You have a first class business seat on your way to hell if you don't change your ways. That's actually what I needed. And I really do believe this generation, they're so uh, raw and they're so radical and they're so all in with the devil and all in with the music and everything. So it, feel, it feels so perverted, so far, so yeah. twisted. They really need this raw, authentic, hey, right. this is the reality. It's not a joke. It's not a game. You know, the trending song right now, Bill, is a song called Demons by an artist who literally says she's the queen of the de of demons. She's the devil. She's the devil. That's the trending. Bill, right now, the trending song is she's the devil. She's the devil. Demons. And she dresses up as a demon in her video. 40 million plays the first day. This is the anthem of our generation and the songs that are being sung yeah. by our culture. Man, we need this message to say, hey, demons are not a joke. They're not a game. They're, they're terrifying. They're terrible. And you're on your way to be tortured by them if you don't if you don't repent. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 51, I will cut him in pieces and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, That's from our loving Jesus, who is loving, but he's also letting you know, he, you'll be cut in pieces and appointed your portion with the hypocrites. There shows oh. God is the one that assigns whoever where their place is. But the point is, there is a side to God. You don't want to meet that side, the wrathful mm -hmm. side He's holy and he's loving, but he's also a God of justice and judgment. And um, and there's a wrath coming on sin. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you don't, you want to avoid that wrath. And you do that by repenting and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's a loving God. He's trying to keep you out of hell. It's your choice if you go there. And Bill, we've been live an hour and a half. I'd love to give you a few minutes here to just... Hey, there's 4,500 people listening, a lot of unbelievers. If you just feel like, hey, this is an altar call. We're at, we're at the church right now. 
We have a 4,500 people at the altar. If you would just pray for the people, lead them in whatever you want to lead them, and then maybe I'll close out in prayer after you. But whatever you feel to tell them as your last, hey guys, this is it. Right. Let's pray. This is what you need to do. You've, you've, you've said it a bunch of times. I know it's like, put your faith in Jesus this, but whatever you wanted to say as a All final right. altar call, feel free to do that. All right. I want to share this one quick story before I do this altar yep. call. You know, when the Titanic set sail, there were all different walks of life on that ship, all different religions, all different beliefs. And they say there were three classes of people, the lower, the middle, and the upper class. But the, when the ship went down at the White Star Line office in Liverpool, England, there were two signs posted. And the people would wait anxiously each day as a person would come out to write their name, their relative's name down on one of the signs. One sign said known to be saved. The other one said known to be lost. Now, when the ship left, there were all different beliefs, all different walks of life and three classes of people. But in the end, there's only two. You're either saved or you're lost. And it's your choice. So my question for you is, do you know if your name is written in his book? As he said in Revelation 2015, you can know that right now. And if you're willing to repent and receive Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to say a prayer. This is going to come from your heart, but it will change your whole eternity. And just say this after me. Say, dear God in heaven, I know that I've sinned and I cannot save myself, but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he was crucified, died and was buried, but rose again and lives forevermore. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I repent. I ask you to come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You are the Son of God. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for taking me to heaven. And I now confess I'm a born-again Christian going to heaven, and I'll serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, then your name is in God's book. You don't have to fear hell, but this is just a start. God wants you to serve him and go after him and uh, and help as many people as you can to lead them the right way to heaven. So, so good. you know, it says all of heaven celebrates over just your want your name. That's how important you are to God. So good. So and I, I wanted to some. Yeah, I wanted to say, Bill, this is like when they're praying, going, Lord, I believe in you. I put my faith as the Bible says, confessing with their mouth. We want to reiterate this. This is the start of your new life. This is not the end. I think some people think I'm going to pray a prayer and that's it. I'm saved now. I can do what I want. That's the end. The prayer is not the end. The prayer is the beginning. This is where wow. you now you're in the family of God. Now you get involved in a local church. Now you start reading the Bible. Now you start trying to, you know, let's do a one day fast. Let's have prayer at our house. Let's start living right. Let's start getting rid of the ungodly movies, the ungodly dark music. And that's what I did when I got saved. I started clearing everything out of my house, everything that was not of God. This is your guys's moment to just say, man, I'm going all in for God tonight. We know it's not the prayer that saves, but that's the intro into becoming a born again believer, confessing, saying, Jesus, I believe you died, but we want to champion you guys and say, now get plugged in. I really believe, Bill, a lot of Christians won't survive without a local church. They won't survive right. without getting around some local believers, getting in the word of God. I highly recommend getting a Bible and starting in the book of John, starting in the book of Luke, the book of Matthew, and really start going after God. Start reading the scripture, learning about the teachings of Jesus. Start praying. Start praying every day and talking to God. And I really think that there's going to be much fruit from this broadcast. 
You know, Isaiah, you're right. It's so important to go to a good church because you're taught the word of God. You make new friends that will hold you up when you go through a tough time and so forth. And also then you'll be less likely to slide away because you've got new friends that are serving God. But one thing it's so important also to do is to get in the habit of reading the Bible every day. Yes, It's not a religious exercise. This is not a religious exercise. The Bible is a manual for life. It teaches us how to live life. You know, people go through life without the manual. You know, we we, we read com- computer manuals to learn. Well, yep. the Bible teaches you and you fall in love with Jesus because he is the word. You'll see how good of a God he is. Also, there's promises in his word that he has for you to live. But if you don't read it, you won't obtain those promises. Mm. In addition, there's a devil that hates your guts and wants to destroy your life. And uh, the, the, the way you run him off is how Jesus did. When he uh, the devil came to Jesus, Jesus quoted the word. Jesus good. said, it is. when he quoted the word, he said, it is written, then the devil fled. But if you don't read, you won't know what to quote. You won't have it to quote, to say what is written. So, so you've got to get the word in your heart and you can run the devil off and avoid a lot of the pitfalls of the enemy. So, so that's good. why things go to a good church and read the Bible every day. So good, Bill. I love talking to you. I love having you on. I want to say this in front of all these people. You have an open invite anytime you want to come on the show, anytime you want to do any ministry together, let me know because, I mean, you're just such an, a wealth of knowledge. You're you're actually such a gift to the body of Christ. I was thinking about this as you spoke. You know, the Bible talks about how God has given gifts, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You are such an actual gift to the body of Christ. And I'm excited to get to heaven and, and talk and say, man, look at all these people. Look at all these people that got saved through your ministry that God used you as a mouthpiece. You look at like 2 Corinthians 5 where it says, we've been called to reconcile people back to God. And then it says, as if God himself were speaking through us, calling people back to him. And that's what I feel. What a beautiful night of you calling people back to God. What a glorious day it'll be when all of us are in heaven. I pray the 4,500 of you live in the chat right now, I pray every one of you make it. I pray every one of you are there with us. We could all celebrate. We could all hang out and talk about everything that happened on earth. But man, I just want to honor you, Bill. You're such a legend. You're such a general. There's so much more God has for you. You've done so much for the kingdom. And man, what a glorious inheritance. You talk about, you know, real estate and having a retirement and all the stuff you've done. None of that, Matt, is even pales comparison to the heavenly retirement. I can't even imagine what your heavenly retirement is going to be like. It's just going to be so incredible. And I know you from just our time in the past, you're always like, no, don't send me anything, even though I still will and still want to. You're such a man of God. You're so godly. You don't care about any of that and stuff. So I just want you to know, man, my platform is open to you. I'll be the nerd for you. If you're not a nerd, I'll be the nerd for you. And and we could use my platform to just reach more people this message. Hey, I'm honored to come on your show at any time. But, you know, whatever I am, it's by the grace of God. Uh, You know, I'm just amazed he uses me in any way. And I'm real grateful that I could be used. And it's so exciting to work for the Lord. You know, and every one of us have that ability. We can all do something for God. So I just encourage everyone to get involved, you know, because we don't have a lot of time either. Come on. You know, one last thing to say, well, God showed me a puff of smoke go up. When I saw my body lying on the floor, I saw a puff of smoke. And I said, Lord, what's that? He said, James 4, 14, life is but a vapor. And I said, Lord, we don't have much time. He said, yes, but what you do for me during that short time, I will count for all eternity. Now that gave me a better overall eternal perspective. What's important in life to do? It's to work for God and to win as many souls as possible to heaven because we don't have a lot of time. 
Even though you live 100 years, that's nothing compared to eternity. So we want to do everything we can during this short time we have to influence as many people by living a godly lifestyle so people can look to us and say, what's different about them? You don't have to mm -hmm. preach. You just have to be an example, an ambassador for Christ. But so and also good. take the opportunity to share the word of God with people. That's you know, so and good. again, Jesus is the only way to heaven. He wants people to go and just go and share the word of God with as many as you can. So good, Bill. I've linked your YouTube in the description. I've also linked your book, 23 Minutes in Hell on Amazon. What is the name of your ministry? Where can they find you? Do you have any website? I know a lot of people are like, I want to follow. And also I want to add this as well. You have a lot of teachings that you do on your channel. You answer a ton of questions. You have a resource. You don't only teach on hell. You have a lot of other great right. teachings and ministries and stuff that you talk about. So where could they find all the other teachings and, and your ministry name and everything? Our ministry is called soulchoiceministries.org. Soul, S-O-U-L, choiceministries.org. Or you can reach it by 23minutesinhell.org. And we have everything for free. You can watch uh, all kinds of videos. We have over 300 short teaching videos about every subject wow. you can imagine. Uh, we have 150 podcasts. We have uh, TV shows. We have uh, church visuals. And we have everything that you can, uh, resources that you can learn from. And many things are not all about hell. There's other things we talk on. So anyway, you can go there and watch all of these things for free. So good. I look forward to doing ministry with you as well in the future. I think we need to do something next year, get a big arena, pack it out with five, 10,000 people and, and share this yeah. message because it's a very, very important message. It needs to be said in the body of Christ. You know, I, I've been teaching a lot on deliverance and helping people get free and, right. and the miracle power of God. That's, that's a message God has given me for the body, but the message God has given you is this message of awakening, of repentance, of, of hell, of warning people of hell. And I think it, it needs to get to the masses more and more. Well, those two messages go hand in hand. I mean, we need to teach the Christians yeah. how to get free of the demonic and so forth. And you're doing that. I love what you're doing and what you're teaching. You. Teachings are amazing. And so I am very blessed and honored to be with you and be on your show. So I'd love to do more things with you and a big venue like that would be wonderful. So thank you so much, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for being on tonight. I'll definitely text you after this and let you know how everything went, but it's so incredible. I've been reading comments. We've had probably over 20,000 comments come in as we've been live and I've been reading most of them and just positive people repenting, turning to God. A lot of people in the comments are like, this is waking me up. I can't believe I didn't know this. Wow. I'm going to start evangelizing, witnessing. So there's definitely a call to action tonight. It's been really a historic show in my opinion. And thank you so much for being on tonight, Bill. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you so much. God we'll bless. talk soon. God bless. Right. What an amazing, amazing show guys. Wow. Wow. That was historic. Let me fix my camera. It's, it's lagging here. Let me fix it. What a historic show tonight. I'm, I'm honestly speechless. Ladies and gentlemen, do you guys feel that? I know I put the chat on slow mode. That was a great decision because there was so many people. We had about 4,500 on here total with Facebook and YouTube. I praise God for Bill. I want to sow into his ministry. Here's the deal. Bill is not going to let me give him money. He's going to be like, no, I don't want anything. He always says that. It's the right thing to do. The Bible says pay traveling teachers especially well. If you've reaped, if you've been blessed, sow into these ministries. So I have no shame. It's biblical. I want to sow into his ministry tonight. I want his message to get to as many people as possible. So if you want to sow into that message, you can give on this QR code or in my link, and I'm going to be sending him more than comes in tonight.
So whatever comes in, I'll be sending him more. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.